Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms held wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good. Good morning. It is Thursday, the 18th of August. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Thrilled to have you here. Thrilled to be with you wherever you are. Um, you can let me know where we are and what we're doing. You can always text me during the show at 877-933-2484. Tell me, you know, where, where, uh, where in the world we are and where in the word you are. I am in today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day, Proverbs 19, verse 20. Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Um, from whom do you seek and receive advice and instruction? When I read this, I thought, you know, advice and counsel, right? We uh, turn to lawyers for advice and counsel. From whom do you seek and receive advice and instruction? Who are your counselors? Those people to whom you consult across a wide range of decisions that you have to make every day. I mean, we seek out the counsel, um, the advice, the instruction from doctors and lawyers and educators and business consultants, analysts, experts, We make all kinds of assumptions about a person's relative expertise based on the simple fact that they have an identifiable um, employer, right? Like, you know, we we trust a person because they work in a hospital. It's an interesting, um, it's interesting how much credibility we immediately lend to someone because of their um, location, like because of where they are, the uniform that they're wearing. I mean, just in the past couple of days. I have relied on the relative expertise of a number of very young people to give me advice on everything from carpet padding to web design to travel plans. And I have made assumptions about how much they know based on where they work. So when we think about the people from whom we take advice or instruction, how do we sort of qualify them? Proverbs 19, verse 20 just says, get all the advice and instruction you can, so you'll be wise the rest of your life. There's a, a, a holy discernment that is then necessary because there is a wisdom necessary to even choose the right advisors and instructors. I mean, the, the Bible warns against false teachers all the time and how to sift out the, the wise from the ones who aren't credible. So um, what if we turned this around? In what matters are you the relative expert to whom others would turn? Who turns to you for advice and instruction? You know, how do I get from here to here to there? I mean, are you somebody's like Rand McNally? They call you up and they say, hey, this is where I am. How do I get to where I'm supposed to be? Maybe you are somebody's 
expert Rand McNally. Maybe you are somebody's like cooking coach. You're the person that gets a call. I mean, I do this to my mom all the time. Mom, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what it looks like. I don't think I'm doing it right. How do I how do I fix this? How do I make this better? If people um, were to turn to you, would you be ready to lead them in the way that they should go? What if they were turning to you for spiritual advice? Are you ready to disciple other people to follow in the way and the truth and the life? I like to think of the word life um, with the uh, acrostic, L-I-F-E, living in faith every day. Living in faith every day. So with that in mind, what does it mean for us to seek and follow advice and instruction that will lead us to live in wisdom all the days of our life? That we might live in faith every day. Hey, my colleague Susie Larson is leading an online study of her new book, Strong in Battle, How the Humble Will Prevail. It's a it's an exercise in wisdom. It's preparation for the battles ahead. It's instruction for living in faith every day. If you want to get all the advice and instruction, you can. So you can be wise the rest of your life. How about taking advantage of this opportunity? You're going to find out more and you can register online for this free course at MyFaithRadio.com. Our friend Ben Johnson is going to roam around with me in some education headlines. Phonics is back. That ought to be um, that ought to be interesting. Phonics is back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge and this is Faith Radio. My right, a right given by God to live a free life, to live in freedom. Ben Johnson is back, and if you want to be able to read what he's writing, you have to be able to read. Ben, good morning. Good morning, and I like your cause and effect. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well- Let's talk about um, let's talk about literacy. Let's talk about um, teaching children to read, and let's talk about the fact that phonics is back. Glory, glory, hallelujah! Uh, phonics Amen. is in fact back. Yes, uh, it, it, it's back. According to uh, uh, Time Magazine, they have an excellent uh, article on this. Uh, came out last week, and uh, one of the things they had tallied, which has kind of gone under the radar, is the fact that in the last two years, eighteen states have passed legislation mandating the teaching of phonics when it comes to reading over the last two years. Of course, uh, that also, the last two years, happens to coincide with the uptick in the number of parents who are paying attention to what's going on in the classroom and how they are being taught, uh, what they're being taught, and their proficiency about uh, when they are taking tests. So uh, that's that's highly important. I, one of the uh, really illustrative stories in here is a gentleman by the name of Kareem Weaver who teaches in Oakland, California. And uh, he notes how a couple of years ago, uh, in 2015, they had repealed phonics. Uh, the way that he phrased it was that uh, many of them were fighting for social justice and they thought that they needed a new progressive way of teaching reading. Now, seven years later, he and the local chapter of the NAACP are petitioning Oakland to bring phonics back. Uh, they're they're seeing that it simply the other methods of uh, teaching how to read do not work. We have a phonetical alphabet. Uh, we have a phonetically based language, and phonics has been well attested for well over half a century. 
uh, going back at least as far as the uh, 1955 book, Why Johnny Can't Read. But uh, there was a, a, a groundbreaking study in the year 2000 that essentially proved once and for all how effective phonics is at teaching reading, how um, other methods, the, the look-say method or, or the whole word method or teaching by context clues. So uh, in, if you don't immediately recognize a word looking for uh, perhaps a picture on the page to tell you what it might be, uh, which is essentially encouraging children to guess rather than to learn. Uh, all of that is not as effective. And if you look at uh, national studies, uh, for example, the national um, uh, NEEP study, uh, the standardized test, only uh, about a third of eighth grade students, 34%, are proficient when it comes to reading. So bringing back phonics is going to go a long way to teaching people the most fundamental thing that they can do. Um, educators always say we shouldn't teach people what to think. We should teach them how to think. But the first part of thinking is learning how to learn. Yeah, you're at a real disadvantage if you cannot read. I mean, I think there is no question that um, that learning to read is it's just one of the most critical skills um, that we can, I mean... Yeah, that we can transmit generation to generation. I mean, literacy, when I think about literacy and I think about I mean, how much I love not just to read in general, but how much I love to read the Bible, um, faith comes by hearing. I recognize that. But when we're going to talk about really getting into the word and the word really getting into us, we are talking about a capacity to read and study it um, as well. So let me just encourage everybody out there. Uh, you know, you can use the Bible to um, to teach people how to read as well. I mean, there's a there's a whole... Um, literacy and evangelism effort around uh, around the globe. Um, maybe it needs maybe it needs to take hold here in the United States as some kind of after school reading program. I mean that might be kind of fun as well. You, um, I mean, so you, you always ask where in the word are you? So it's it's impossible to be in the word if if it's impossible to read a word. Yeah, that's, amen, amen. Hey Ben, let's um let's uh, take a very brief break, and then when we come back. Will you help us follow the money and uh, and let us know how schools actually spent all that COVID relief money? Well, as much as we can find out, sure. <laughs> all right, that conversation's up next. How did schools spend all the COVID relief money they received? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, this is a community of believers, and we gather together here and we all need prayer, and, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. I'm smelling coffee, birds are singing just outside. Ben Johnson joins us. You can find him at WashingtonStand.com. Ben, talk with us a little bit about um, where the money went, uh, how schools spent their COVID relief money. Well, I guess maybe one of the uh, most um, uh, 
unbelievable aspects of this is uh, there's still so much of it circulating that uh, mm-hmm. many schools have not spent it all yet. Uh, and if if they haven't spent emergency money that was intended to take care of COVID, which I think everyone acknowledges is on the wane, uh, perhaps it's time for uh, the federal government to reclaim those funds. But uh, where many, particularly when you look at how some of these funds are being spent, uh, for example, in McAllen, Texas, the McAllen Independent School District spent uh, more than a million dollars, $1.7 million to be specific, on an e-sports facility. That, not actual sports, but e-sports, electronic sports, uh, which is to say essentially playing video games. Uh, they, they spent um, several million more on uh, new turf fields and things of that sort. Uh, there have been millions uh, spent across the country on uh, new uh, DIE, diversity, uh, uh, equity, and inclusion uh, models and uh, curricula, which are so controversial around the country, and other kinds of curricula uh, and books that uh, many parents, of course, have protested. And, in, uh, of course, in return, some of these uh, school districts are taking out books, including the Bible and the Diary of Anne Frank. But uh, that's this is where some of that money is going. Of course, primarily the uh, teachers unions uh, have asked for the money to be spent either on higher salaries for existing teachers, but particularly to bring on more teachers and especially more administrators uh, into the schools, uh, which is where most federal funds go to. They either go to facilities or they go to uh, new staff and particularly administration, uh, well, lopsided administration to teacher ratio. Uh, but uh, particularly when you see the, the kind of uh, teacher shortage we're supposed to have and you factor in the fact that uh, about two million students have not gone back to public school, they've gone to private school, uh, you can see that uh, perhaps a winnowing down is taking place uh, by, by the natural fact that people are voting with their feet. Um, which reminds me that in Arizona, uh, no matter where your child goes to school, money now follows them there, uh, including homeschooling. So be sure if you live in Arizona, you're taking full advantage of the voucher program uh, that is now in full effect for everyone. The money follows the kid. Um, there is a teacher shortage across the country. Students are headed back to school. Many teachers are not uh, That is related to all kinds of things, expectations, pay, appreciation, stress, politics. Any thread you want to pull there? Because, Ben, I have a uh, I have a surprise headline as well on the educational front that um, that I want to talk with you about. Yeah, uh, uh, just very, very briefly. I, you know, my heart goes out to so many teachers. My mom was a teacher, a special education teacher for decades. Uh, matter of fact, just recently retired. And I've, I've spoken with so many. And uh, the fact is they're being squeezed from all sides. Uh, most teachers, uh, if they're teaching something that is uh, controversial, most teachers are not interested in doing so. It's simply the curriculum that was handed to them, and uh, they're often forced to teach subject matter or, or other issues uh, that uh, they find controversial, and they try to teach it in the, uh, in the best possible way that they can. On the other hand, you have, uh, in many cases, uh, students who are uh, un- unfortunately coming from broken homes or from uh, areas of neglect and abuse, and uh, so often everyone expects the schools to raise the students as well and to do so without the aid of any form of discipline. So uh, my, my heart goes out to them. And uh, I, I want to say this, if possible, find a, an administration or find a school district or find a private school or a, uh, 
uh, a religious-based school where you will be appreciated and where you can teach according to your faith. Amen. Um, okay, so somebody has texted in, um, doesn't Ben live in Ohio? Does he know that Ohio State University now has an esports degree program? Maybe those kids in McAllen, Texas, just want to come to the Ohio State University to get an education. <laughs> mm-hmm. Esports is a thing. Esports is a thing. Okay, hey, here's an education um, or a headline on the educational front that I read this morning in the New York Times. And so I thought... Ben is going to be able to address this even without me sending it to him in advance. So here is the headline. Texas school district removes now the you know, the catch here for me is that they removed the Bible. However, the list of the other books that they have removed for review from libraries are absolutely worth review. So Texas school district removes Bible and and Frank adaptation in back to school sweep. So this is the Keller Independent School District in in North Texas. And they reviewed dozens of challenged books um, during the last school year. It's taking them off the shelf again to remove them, uh, to review them again, because there's a new um, set of uh, of people serving on the school board now. And so um, interesting process that the school board is going to review 41 challenged books and anybody could challenge a book. Um, and so, you know, somebody challenged having the Bible in uh, in in the school library and accessible to students. Um, but there is something happening out there where people are taking time to actually read what's on the shelves of the books um, that kids are accessing in public schools. Absolutely true. And of course, if they want to take out the influence of the Bible on education, they have to go way beyond the Bible itself uh, into the McGuffey readers, into the textbooks that uh, were, were part of American education up until the 1960s, at least. And, uh, you know, of course, the Bible is the foundation of Western civilization. So its its impact and its importance percolates through the entire curriculum, uh, even even in uh, curricula that uh, are less interested in our historic basis and uh, have a, a certain ideological bent. Uh, a friend of mine, Megan Basham at uh, The Daily Wire, pointed out that uh, she thought this was retaliatory. Uh, if you're going to challenge our books, we'll challenge your holy book. And so... She thought that perhaps that was something that may have motivated somebody to challenge the Bible. Uh, obviously, it's been read uh, to tremendous profit for generation upon generation. Uh, its word does not come back void. It brings forth exactly the uh, the fruit that it's intended to bring forth, which is righteousness. And uh, it should be the cornerstone of all education. It should, should certainly not be uh, put up for review. Let's see. Now, I would argue that if this gets every member of the school board reading the Bible from cover to cover, (laughs) then I'm kind of all for it. Let's test it. Let's test whether or not uh, people ought to be reading the Bible by, hmm, I don't know, reading the Bible. Um, You can't, you know, you can't judge the book by its cover. You're going to have to read what, you know, all the words um, in between. And so... You know, I'm I'm one of those people that kind of giggles to the side when something like this happens, because I'm like, well, if this gets more people reading the Bible, then I'm all for it. Little little sizzle always sold the steak. Yeah. Let's let's see if they put the Bible in banned books weeks displays or something next to Alice or something. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Um, Ben, as always, what a joy um, to talk with you. There's a lot of stuff that you guys um, can be reading that Ben is writing and his colleagues at Washington Stand Dot com Right now, um, Ben's article, The Biden Administration to the United Nations, the U.S. is fighting racism by promoting abortion. 
to minorities. You're going to want to read that um, at WashingtonStand.com. Ben, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. This is amazing grace and this is unfailing love. Take a deep breath right now and revel in the reality that God is. That God knows right where you are, calls you by name, loves you fiercely, desires to comfort you and counsel you, lead you, bless you, celebrate you, receive you. We have to pause amidst all the rush and hurry of our day and our generation and look up or bow down (laughs) either direction. Good. God's 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 good. God's good. Um, if you're on your knees before Him with your face buried in your hands, um, low to the ground, um, and God God's good. If you're standing straight up with your arms extended to the heavenlies, exalting, uh, glorifying, and praising His name, just give God some attention today. You feeling tension? Give God some attention. Um. Yeah. I mean, I turn the misery into ministry. Turn the test into a testimony. I mean, there's use, use whatever language helps you today, but refocus on the reality of who God is, his goodness, his greatness, but his presence right now in this moment where you are. God is actually closer to you than your next breath. That's about the length of a breath. God's closer to you than that. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Pastor James Merritt, um, he had a congregation of, I don't know, like 12,000 people at First Baptist Church in Snellville, Georgia. And he um, left to plant a new church. And that new church is now several thousand people strong. Um, So there's a lot of folks listening to Pastor James Merritt every single Sunday. Uh, And he wrote down some of his thoughts in a new book. And so we're going to talk with how to deal with how you feel, managing the emotions that make life unmanageable. We're going to talk about the life takers, those things that are trying to like suck our life out of us. And we're going to talk about the life givers. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Cause I'm just a nobody We're trying to tell everybody All about somebody Who saved my soul Dr. James Merritt joins us now. You can find him at touchinglives.org. Good morning, Dr. Merritt. Oh, good morning, Carmen. How are you doing today? Well, I, it is well with my soul. It, it's like, you know, two degrees cooler outside, so it feels like you can breathe again. That's exactly right. We had a little bit of cool streak down here, and I'm glad. 
Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, all right. We're going to talk about how to deal with how you feel, managing the emotions that make life unmanageable. I like uh, I like the breakdown of life takers and life givers. So um, so um, unfortunately, we're going to we're going to start with the life takers because sure. that's that's what's stressing us out. That's what's you know weighing us down. But we yeah. want to be sure to get to the life givers as well. So um, establish you know establish this conversation in the context of real life today. Well, it doesn't take long, Carmen. Everybody knows if you just walk outside your door, it's almost like you can feel the emotional tension in the air. Just just take for example the the hot button of politics. I've never in my life ever seen so much political tension ever. I can still remember the day when you could talk politics with your neighbor, you could disagree, you could be a Democrat, you could be a Republican, and you could have a good, you know, intense discussion even, and then go have a cup of coffee. Seems like those days are over, and there's so much anger and rage and uncertainty and vitriol out there. I just think emotions are running as high in our nation right now, I believe, as I've ever seen them. Yeah. And you say, you know, all you have to do is go outside. I don't know about you, but I mean, it's inside as well. I mean, like, right. This is it's inside us, but it's inside our homes. It's inside our workplaces. It's inside our relationships. So in this book, you you lay out for us um, some of the life takers, stress, worry, anxiety, depression, fear, loneliness, jealousy, anger, bitterness, guilt. Um, Let's just start with stress. Right. I mean, it's something that you quote, um, uh, I can't remember if it's in this book or if it's in another um, place, but you, you talk about Oz Guinness, one of your favorite authors, one of my yes. favorites as well. And he says, we now live in a world of speed, stuff, and stress, uh, yeah. and under the relentless tyranny of the urgent now. So that's yeah. the stress we're under. Um, talk with us about this life taker. Well, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because I'm a pastor and, and I love what I do. God called me to do it, and, and I'm grateful for it. But, uh, you know, every survey you'll ever read will tell you that one of the greatest, most stress-filled jobs in America is that of of being a pastor. Never more so, by the way, Carmen, than COVID. I mean, COVID has just turned every pastor's world upside down. And I'll give you an example. I mean, I'm I'm busier than I've ever been to the point where my assistant came into my office two weeks ago and said, do me one favor. Don't take anything else the rest of the year. I mean, it's just I'm just Mm -hmm. slammed, it seems like, all the time. So, you know, people are, uh, they, they deal with the mess of stress every day. And I think, frankly, that's one reason why a lot of people have just dropped out of the workforce. They just decided for whatever the reason, I just don't need this in my life anymore. I just can't handle the stress that's going on. And I think it's, uh, I think, you know, people even say now we have what's called a stress epi- epidemic. And I really believe that is true. I like how you turn us toward um, the prophet Isaiah uh, and use use him as a good example of of how we really just need to go outside and look up because who compares to God? Well, you know, I say in that chapter, you know, he Isaiah says he's not only an unequal God. Uh, no, there's no God like him. He is un, an unlimited God. He's unlimited in terms of his power, in terms of his love, and you know, in terms of his compassion. And he's the unfailing God. You know, the one thing about God that's there's one thing. A lot of things differentiate us between God. But one thing that, uh, that that's so wonderful about God, we've all, Carmen, all of us, we've all made at least one promise in our life we didn't keep. We didn't intentionally not keep it, perhaps, but we did. God's never made a promise that he hasn't kept. And when you know one thing, if you just take one promise in the word of God, he's going to work everything, not most things, everything out for your good. That is a great stress reliever. Mm. 
That is a great stress reliever. Um, want to pick up on, you can pick which one of these we want to, we want to try to unpack, um, here because I, I want to, um, I want to let people have a look into the book, but I also, you know, recognize we can't unpack it all and, um, folks are going to want to find it themselves, how to deal with how you feel managing the emotions that make life unmanageable. So you want to deal with worry, anxiety, depression, fear, or loneliness. I have loneliness teed up on my, on my list. That's fine. We can deal with loneliness. In fact, to jump ahead, you know, I was going to deal with the last two bitterness and guilt. It seems like that's what I run into probably as much as a pastor, uh, maybe along with depression, but probably as much as a pastor is, is I'm amazed at the unresolved bitterness mm. that, that people have and people deal with and, and, and carry around with them, which, by the way, the reason I put those two chapters next to each other, which ultimately, if you don't get rid of it, will lead to guilt. And I find so many people that are weighed down by guilt, regret, parents that didn't spend enough time with their children, uh, women who unfortunately went through uh, an abortion, for an example, uh, you know, children that uh, were that, that rebelled against their parents or maybe their parents died and they did never resolve a conflict. And, mm. and uh, so, you know, it's, it can be overwhelming. And the thing I would say to go back, you mentioned Isaiah. What I love about this book, most of all, is, is for me, Carmen, it reminded me. And I'm not saying that there aren't some of these issues where you may need a, a good, you know, licensed, you know, biblical counselor or something like that. Or, or you may have a physical imbalance or something and may, maybe you need to go to a doctor. But what encouraged me when I as I did this book, what I wrote the book was, Carmen, the Bible is not just theological. It is practical. It mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. The, the, and it should. The creator who gave us our emotions, we, we have, we're, he's an emotional being. He gave us our emotions. If anybody should know how to t- tell us and teach us and train us to handle our emotions rather than our emotions handling us. It should be the one who made us. And I find that he has done that in this, in this book called the Bible. Well, and I really appreciate that Dr. Merrick, because what you are encouraging is in-depth study of God's word. Like if we study God's word carefully, that's when we, that's when we discover um, how God deals with the life takers, and it's also where we find the life givers. Um, but it is about a well-developed faith. This isn't, um, you know, this isn't as if you're trying to hand a roadmap um, to somebody who who hasn't yet learned to drive the car. Like, right, we want people to be developing as disciples, and part of that is you got to be in the Word of God. Um, right. And, you know, what this book does is it it takes the word of God and applies it to these these challenges that everybody faces. Um, so let's talk about bitterness and guilt. Um, bitterness, push away the pull of punishment, and then guilt, seek a clean slate. Yeah, you know, um, uh, we've all, if we're honest, I, I would doubt you'd find many people, if they were honest, if not at some time in their lives, had somebody that hurt them, somebody that did them wrong, somebody that left them holding the bag, somebody gave them the short end of the stick. And they've not had to deal with bitterness. And, you know, here's one of the amazing things. You know, what it, it, I've talked to other pastors, Carmen. This is one of those sins that nobody wants to admit. You know, mm. people that you know are bitter, oh, I'm not bitter. But but they really are. And and so I, I say in the book, uh, there, there's a simple old verse, Hebrews 12, 15. says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many, many. Bitterness is something that if you let it, and it doesn't take long, it will literally take root 
in your heart. It will wrap its tentacles around your soul and it will absolutely eat you alive. And I talk about the ways that bitterness affects people, you know, mentally, emotionally, even physically and then spiritually. And then, you know, there really is only one remedy. There's only one to the to the to the problem of bitterness, and that is forgiveness. Now, to those who may be listening and, and are thinking even right now, well, you know, James, you don't know what this person did to me. You don't know how bad this person hurt me. No, I don't. And I am not going to sit here and, and flippantly say bitter, that forgiveness is easy. You know, C.S. Lewis put it best. He said, everybody thinks forgiveness is a great idea until they're mm-hmm. the one that have to forgive. And that is so true. You know, it's easy for us to accept it. It's a lot harder for us to forgive it. But at the end of the day, you will pay a whole lot more with your soul, with your peace of mind, with your physical health if you don't forgive than if you do forgive. Wow, that Hebrews twelve fifteen verse is such a good reminder. See to it that no one fa- fails to obtain the grace of God or falls short of the glory of God or the grace of God, and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble um, by it, many become defiled or entangled um, or ensnared and ruined. That's a um, that's a powerful, powerful verse. Um, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. James Merritt in just a moment. The book is How to Deal with How You Feel, Managing the Emotions that Make Life Unmanageable. And we're going to turn from the life takers to the life givers. We're going to talk about faith, joy, gratitude, contentment, and hope. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Feelings. Nothing more than feeling. <laughs> That's the producer Paul Perot's little uh, little little <laughs> funny nod there to the conversation that Dr. James Merritt and I are having. The book is How to Deal with How You Feel, Managing the Emotions That Make Life Unmanageable. And yes, we do have copies to give away today. So if you'd like to enter the drawing for the copies we have um, to give away, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Dr. Merritt, let's move from life takers to life givers. Faith, joy, gratitude, contentment, and hope. What are they, and how do I get them? Yeah, you know, and I, I tell you, I put those. I put the first one uh, on on, uh, on faith on purpose because this is two things I want your listeners to to really catch. Number one, feelings are not facts; they are feelings. But too often we live as if our feelings are fact. I may feel like the sun rises in the west, but it's not going to. The fact is, it rises in the east. And so the thing that I have I've discovered as I was thinking through this is the first thing that that if, if God is going to help us and we need God's help, then first of all, we got to believe. And there's that great verse of Scripture that says in Hebrews, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Mm. But a lot of people have never really caught what the author of Hebrews was saying. I don't think we think that he meant you have to believe in God. 
Faith is more than believing in God. Faith is believing God. You, what good does it do to believe in God, Carmen, if you don't believe God? Mm-hmm. And so I talk about in this very first chapter that, that, that the only way you're going to conquer and control your feelings rather than them controlling you is you have got to allow God to do it through you. And to do that, you've got to approach God with faith. It's one of my favorite chapters because I, I kind of approach, a, you know, deal with a lot of things from the new atheism and other things. But I, I just make three points in that chapter. I, I believe in a God who is reasonable. We, we don't have blind faith. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time, I, I've, I've talked with atheists, and they'll say, well, prove to me there is a God. And I'll say, well, prove to me there's not. And the point of the fact is, it's where the evidence leads. And the evidence leads us to believe that is not only is it reasonable to believe in God, we believe in a God who is reasonable, a God who put this world together and makes it fit. And then I, because of that, I believe in a God who is real. He's not a figment of our imagination. Um, uh, he, he's not, uh, you know, Nietzsche's crutch. He really is real. He's more real even than we are. And then because of that, as I've said earlier, I believe in a God who is reliable. I believe in a God who, when he says to me, and I was listening to the verse of Scripture you guys just quoted a while ago, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. I believe that. And so, for example, when we're dealing with fear, we can go to a God and know this is not from God because God does not give us fear. But because of this God, I don't have to live in fear. I can live in the in the in the power of love and of a sound mind and knowing that he's in control. I believe in a God who is reasonable. I believe in a God who is real. I believe in a God who is reliable. Um, There there is something really healthy about taking some time to say what we believe. Um, you know, what, what do I honestly believe? Um, do I honestly believe God? Not, not in God, but do I honestly believe God? Do I take him at his word? Do I, um, do I trust him to be God? Um, and what does that mean? And what does that look like? And how do I find out more? And that's going to obviously drive us back to the scriptures. Um, Dr. Merritt, I do, uh, I mean, again, love how you unpack the word of God and apply it directly to to life. Talk with us about, um, talk with us about joy. Yeah. You know, uh, and by the way, and it's been stated many times, but we're not talking about happiness. Um, my mentor, Adrian Rogers used to say happiness is when you feel good because of what happens to you. Joy has nothing to do with that. You, you choose joy. Joy is an attitude that you can choose. And so what I talk about in this book, I go, I think, to the book of Philippians. And, and it's, mm-hmm. the old, it's the old uh, you know, acronym, J-O-Y. You give Jesus preeminence. First, the first way to have joy is to put Jesus first in your life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have joy. Not a joy like the world knows, but my joy. So you put Jesus first. You give, you give him preeminence. When you do that, you do what Jesus did. You give others priority. Jesus, the Son of God, always put himself before others, always. And then when you do that, this is where the real joy comes. Joy comes when you finally figure out what your purpose is in life. And when you give Jesus preeminence and you give, you know, others priority, then you give yourself purpose because we're really here not to look after our own interest is what Paul says, but to the interest of other people. But one of my best friends, God love him, is Zig Ziglar, who's in heaven now. And I will forget what Zig Ziglar put in a book, and he said it to me. He said, James, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help other people get what they want. Now, some people, we live in a you know, dog-eat-dog world, and people say, wait a minute. Now, if I'm always looking out for others, 
who will look out for me? Well, the simple, mm-hmm. that answer is very simple. God will. God will always look out for you. Always. Yeah, I'm thinking there about Solomon, right? If I'm, right. I'm, I'm seeking to have wisdom. Um, I'm desiring to, to lead God's people and serve God's people well. God's going God's gonna to give me in, in, in measure I can't even imagine um, all, all, that, um, all that a person might otherwise desire. And this is that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. Like you can take God at his word on that. Um, talk with us about gratitude. Um, I think that we we tend to throw around thank yous pretty easily in our culture. Um, what what does it mean to to be thankful at uh, you know at the gratitude depth? You know, you you just said something that's so true, and yet it illustrates something. Yeah, I, I think people do quote throw thank yous around unquote, but you can throw a thank you around and not be thankful. Thankful, mm-hmm. th- being thankful is more than just words. It's, it's really in actions. I, I, I've tried to teach our three boys growing up. Thank you is not just what you say as much as it is what you show. You, you can say, you can tell the Lord, you know, Lord, I'm so thankful for what you've given me. But then you show God you're thankful by giving God a portion of what he's given you back to him. You, you can say to God, you know, Lord, I'm so thankful that you saved me. But you show God you're thankful by sharing with other people how God can save them as well. And so I do believe that that we're living in a society today, and I think we're seeing it. People are so ungrateful. If there's a nation in history that has taken for granted the blessings that God has given us, I believe we're living in that nation right now. And so I talk about in this chapter just a simple passage out of of 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. We, we ought to be habitually thankful. We ought to be happily thankful. And, and, and you know, we, we, we should be humbly thankful. Um, every day when I get up, Carmen, this is the way I start my day, I enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The, from, when, this is just me, but when I get up out of bed, first thing I do is I just say, Lord, I want to thank you that I'm alive because it was only by your mercies that I got up this morning. And I just start the day off with thanksgiving. And I tell you, I have never found, Carmen, maybe you have, it's interesting. I have never found a grateful, unhappy person. Never. I've never, I've never met that person. I don't think he exists. I've never found a grateful, unhappy person. Yeah, or an unhappy, grateful person. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, we have a couple of minutes left, and I, um, I want to honor... I want to honor what you do day in and day out, and also just want you to speak a word of encouragement to other pastors, um, and then to you know to all of us who love and appreciate our pastors, but maybe don't say so to them frequently enough. Um, and so, just a word of counsel and encouragement today to those who are shepherding the lives of others, um, because I know that that's another role that you um, that God has lifted you up um, to be in as well. So a word of encouragement to pastors today. Thank you so much, Carmen, for doing that. Anecdotally, I just was on the phone yesterday with a pastor. He's a bivocational pastor in Kentucky. He raises beef. That's that's his job. He's got a farm, but he he pastors. God called him to pastor late in life. And he had been following my ministry and and listens to me and and had watched our evangelism ministry. And he just wanted to call and just, uh, you know, thank me, but he wanted to get some advice on how to pass. Well, he started off and he said, you know, Dr. Merritt, and I first stopped him. I said, look, Dr. Merritt's way too formal. Call me Doc, and please, Carmen, call me James. I'd love for you to do that. But 
he said, you know, I pastor a small church. I said, stop right there. There are no small churches. There's only God's churches. He said, well, you know, I know your time's valuable. I said, stop right there. Everybody's time is equally valuable. And then here's what I told him. I said, listen, you are in the greatest work in the world. God is not concerned with the size of the church you pastor. He's concerned with the size of the pastor who pastors that church. And I said, God's main concern is not to grow your church. His main concern is to grow you. And so I would just say to every pastor out there, look, guys, the work's difficult. It's hard. I get it. I'm, we're going through the same thing you're probably going through. COVID has turned everything upside down. But a gentle reminder, you've heard it a thousand times, but it's true. At the end of the day, Carmen, <clears throat> God is going to measure one thing in every pastor's life. Were you faithful? It's amazing that at the end of, you know, the only thing I want to hear when I get to him, that's when if I hear one thing, I don't mind sweeping floors. I don't mind opening doors. It doesn't matter. If I hear well done, good and faithful servant, that's all that matters. So I would just encourage every pastor out there. The devil is the minister of discouragement. God is the minister of encouragement every day. Pastor, as if it were your last day, be faithful to love your people, live the word, teach the word, share the gospel, and leave the results to God. Amen. Amen. James, thank you so very much, my brother. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you for enriching our time together. Um, thank you for your ministry day in and day out. Thank you for the book. The book is How to Deal with with how you feel, managing the emotions that make life unmanageable. We are giving away copies today. Text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter that drawing. James Merritt, have a blessed day. Thank you for blessing ours. Carmen, always an honor to be with you. God bless you. You as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Before Faith Radio, I always felt like I didn't feel equipped. I didn't feel like I was enough. So I would many times be silent or avoid or back out. And now it's contagious what I'm learning through Faith Radio. I feel that Faith Radio gives me the tools on how to enter in these conversations with people in a way that's going to honor Jesus. And that's demonstrated through the way the host talk and gives us real life scenarios. We want um, to hear your stories as well. How does this ministry encourage you? How how does the time that we spend here together um, help you walk out your faith in real life every day? Would you be so kind as to do me a favor today and give us a call at 877-933-2484 and share your faith radio story? We are prayerfully um, preparing to um, to have a fall fundraiser And we'd love to be able to share your story as an encouragement to others. This is listener-supported radio. And so we, um, we need you to tell us so we can share with others how God has used this ministry in your life, um, because we want to see it extended to more and more people. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.